We're, we're a church who's a Bible-believing church. That's one of our family values. And uh, so we will always be encouraging you and standing with you and declaring God's promise and God's truth over every situation. But I also want you to know that in the meantime, in the journey, in the battle, we're there with you as well. Um, that we aren't a church that just go, I'll oh, get over it, God's good. No, no, God is good, but we will journey with you in this season that you're facing. So if you ever need any support, any pastoral support, any prayer, please know uh, that we're here, uh, that church is a family. We're not just family church because we thought it was a catchy name. We believe that church is a family of God as we've preached many times before. So um, reach out to people and get the support that you need. Excellent. We're going to dive into... Uh, God's word after the service. Don't forget the giveaway. And uh, let's stick around for that if we can. And we will not make you do anything that you don't uh, want to do. Um, if you're apprehensive about speaking to people, whatever, just come and be part of uh, what we do and journey uh, with us. And then next week, don't forget to invite somebody along. And it's not too late also to volunteer. But I want to use this time um, to wrap up our thoughts that we've been in over the last few weeks. And if you've been around, you'll know that we've been talking about being people of a different spirit. Being people of a different spirit. Now, straight away, we could ask the question, well, why bother? Why should we care about being people of a different spirit? And I believe the answer to that is found in the truth that we shared a couple of weeks ago when we said that actually, when you choose to be a person of a different spirit, it will always bring God's best into your life. And also, you will ultimately glorify God. And that's the greatest place to be in life where every area of your life is in strength, but also you're an object of God's glory because that's what we've been called to be. So very quick recap on some of the stuff that we've been looking at. We've been looking at these words in Romans 12 verse 2 that Paul shared with a church in Rome where he said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing and perfect will in other words Paul writes to followers of Jesus in the era of Rome and he says do not conform and be like everybody else around you remember what does conform means it means to be similar to or to be identical to it's this desire to be like everybody else it's this fear to be any different from the people around you and Paul says don't be like that with the world but instead be of a different spirit you may remember in week one, we spoke about the difference between the thermometer and the thermostat. Remember this, that we said that a thermometer just has to reflect what's going on around it. It doesn't get a choice. That if it's plus 30 degrees, it will show 30 degrees. If it's minus 10, it will show minus 10 because it doesn't get to decide anything. It just has to respond to it. But a thermostat, and Mark explained this a whole lot more cleverly than I could ever do last week, a thermostat um, actually gets to decide things. It gets to change things and say, actually, I'm going to change the atmosphere of what's going on in here. That's the kind of people we want to be, amen? That we would be people who bring kingdom change to the world around us rather than conforming to the world around us. We want to be people of a different spirit. That when people encounter us, they encounter something different to the world. So we've looked at various different people in the Bible over these last few weeks who lived with that different spirit. We've seen the result of that through their lives. And as I've said, we've ultimately learned that choosing to be of a different spirit will always bring us into God's best for our lives. Now, last week, Mark Ward, as I was over in uh, our Waterlooville congregation, Mark Ward um, continued these thoughts and he 
um, touched on this thing that I want to communicate about today. He touched on the thought of the fact that there are three kinds of people. The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Remember that the, the natural person is a person who's not regenerated by the Holy Spirit. They've been born into sin. They haven't yet made a decision or accepted what Jesus has done for them. So they're separated from God and they're just living life in a normal sense. They're just a natural person like the, uh, the majority of people that you encounter in your workplace in different situations. Then there's the carnal person. Now the carnal person, we've got to understand, just to underline what was shared last week, is a Christian, is somebody who's born again, is somebody who's had a renewed spirit, but they're not changing uh, into align with what God and his word are declaring them to be. And Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's just look at this as we just lay a foundation this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says this. Brethren, I couldn't speak to you as people who are spiritual, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Other translations say, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people because you are still too worldly. So a carnal person is somebody, in the context of what we're speaking about, is somebody who believes in God. They may go to church, they may do all the activity, but actually they're not of a different spirit. There's no change that's happening within them. They don't stand out. They, they deal with offense uh, and um, unforgiveness just like the other person who's unsaved in their workplace. There's no difference. They are as impure as um, the guy who serves at the fish and chip shop. Okay, now I'm not labeling anyone. I have no one in mind when I say that. So if you are a gentleman who serves in the fish and chip shop, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not calling you out or anything like that. I'm just giving examples. But you see what I'm saying? That we can be no different even though we believe in God and go to church and do all the activity. We can still be carnal and no different to the world around us. And then we have the spiritual person. The person who's controlled and led by God's spirit and God's input changes their life. They're of a different spirit. Listen, God's expectation for each and every single one of us is that we're spiritual, not carnal. That we're spiritual and not worldly. Now, as Mark said so well last week, that does not affect his love for you. He will always unconditionally love you. But there is an expectation of growth. But just as it is for my children, I will always love them unconditionally, no matter what happens. But I would hope that at the age of 16, they're not still acting like they were when they were one or two. That's kind of a, a fair assumption or fair expectation. And that's God's desire within us, that we would be of a different spirit. That we would be transformed from the inside out. That what he's doing within us would change our behavior outwardly. Now, it's not a case of out-in. Because the Pharisees were good at that, right? They would do everything that looked right, that sounded right. And Jesus had his biggest beef with those people. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look so amazing on the outside, but you're rotten within the core of who you are. So in this series, we've dealt with what, why. Mark spoke a lot last week about the how. And I want to bring that all together in the context of the Christmas account this morning. In Luke chapter 1. So turn your Bible to Luke chapter 1, because we can romanticize the Christmas account. We can make it all very neat and tidy and package it 
away. We can get so familiar with it, but do you know there's so much that we can learn from it? But it's not just a nice nativity scene as we'll have next week with the children, but there's something deeper within that we can learn from this moment. The Bible says this of itself, that it doesn't just record what happened to God's people in times gone by for historical purposes, but everything that's written within it is there for our teaching and for our challenging and to be encouraged and that we can learn from it. So today, we're going to look at the opening account, as it were, as the angel comes to visit Mary. And of course, this isn't the opening account because uh, prophets had prophesied for centuries the arrival of Jesus. But here's the moment where the angel comes to encounter Mary. And before um, we get into this, let me, let me just say this, because I never want to preach on Mary without actually just sharing a couple of truths about Mary, because I know that we're all from uh, different backgrounds and people have been in different churches over different periods of time. So as a pastor and a shepherd of God's people, it's my responsibility to tell you God's truth. Now let me just say a couple of quick things that the Bible makes very clear to us. Mary was not without sin. Okay, let me just clarify that. That the whole doctrine of immaculate conception is man-made, it's not biblical, it's not in there. The Bible says that only one person was without sin, his name is Jesus. That's why we worship him. And to say anything else, to say that anybody else like Mary was without sin, is not only biblical, uh, unbiblical rather, let me clarify that, it's not only unbiblical, um, but it's deceitful. Now, you know me well enough, I could dress it up and pull it in cotton wool. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. It's, uh, it's dishonest and it's unbiblical. Here's another thing, that we are not to worship or to pray to Mary. It's not in the Bible. And then we say, oh, but I was raised in school. I thought, no, 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 come and speak with us afterwards and we'll look through the Bible. We will teach you God's truth. That Mary is not to be worshipped. Mary is not to be prayed to. The Bible makes it clear there is one God and there is one mediator between man and God. His name is Jesus. So we don't pray to Mary. We don't worship Mary. Mary was with sin. She wasn't without sin. But I do believe that Mary's to be honored. I do believe that we can learn a whole lot from her response to the call of God upon her life and what we're going to read today. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Good, no one got up and stormed out the room, so we're okay at the moment. Or they were just asleep one way or the other. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. And then we have probably the biggest understatement in the whole of Scripture. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen for I am a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Other translations say, for nothing is impossible. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Great account. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time this morning opening that up and 
looking at what we can learn from this about how we can be people of a different spirit. And I want to continue this thought of, of the carnal person and the spiritual person and really look at the difference using this account between a carnal Christian and a spiritual disciple. So we're going to outline some very simple differences but some profound differences. Now here the first, here's the first one for those taking notes. Carnal Christians look at themselves. Spiritual disciples look to God. This is so true in this moment that if we're going to be people of different spirit, we need to look beyond ourselves to look instead to God and what he wants to do in and through us. And I want you to see this, that God sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, the the, the one who would be our savior, into the world through Mary from Nazareth. Not Mary from Rome, which was the, the global superpower of our time. Not Mary from Athens, which was the cultural capital. Not even Mary from Jerusalem, which was the spiritual capital of the world of our time. But Mary from Nazareth. Nazareth is obscure. It's unknown. It's this little village with less than 500 people. It, it's looked down upon. In fact, in, in the Gospels, in John chapter 1, I think, um, Nathaniel says, Naz- he asks this question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? A little bit like some of us would potentially ask about the area of Southampton. Can anything good come out of Southampton? That's a, that's a penny can come from Southampton. Good things do come from Southampton. Just the rest of them that we're worried about. Could anything good come from that area? And that's what he was saying. Nothing to do with football. He was talking about the, the physical and spiritual. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's the reputation it had. And here is Mary. And she could have easily discounted herself. Who was she? Where was she? What heritage did she have? But she chose to look beyond herself to see herself in what God was going to do. See, in the eyes of God and in the plan of God, you read the Old Testament prophecies. You see the family lineage of Mary. Actually, Mary was exactly the right person in the right place at the right time because God is an intentional God over humanity and over your life. If we want to be somebody of a different spirit, if you want to be used by God, you've got to stop looking at yourself and start looking at God and he wants to do what he wants to do in use. Because you see, we are very much a a self-obsessed world, right? We live in a selfie generation and it goes beyond just how we take photos. We are very self-obsessed. And when that comes into your walk with God... You look at yourself and not who God is and what he wants to do in you. And it will lead to one of two places. It will either lead you to a place where you feel inadequate and you're just solely looking at yourself and you can't and all this stuff. Or it will lead you to operating in a place of pride. Neither of those are spiritually healthy. We need to realize that actually on our own we are inadequate. But in God and Christ in us, anything can happen. And we can be of a different spirit. People of a different spirit look to God and not to themselves. Here's another difference. Carnal Christians care far too much about what other people think. Spiritual disciples care more about what God thinks. Now again, this is so evident in the account of Mary. Because as I said, we can make this so neat and tidy and cute. But think about the reality. Let's play this out in real time in this moment. Imagine what it must have been like for Mary when she's six months pregnant and the bump is starting to show and she's walking around Nazareth where everybody knows each other's business. And she's not yet married and yet she's pregnant. That's not out there in today's world, but it was then. This was unheard of for this woman in this situation. And then, as if that's not bad enough, 
she claims it's God's baby. Now again, think about the reality, because we make this all neat and tidy, and again, as I said, next week the children will be up here, and we'll go, oh, isn't that nice? But this wasn't all nice and tidy and outworked, really. She's there, out of wedlock, pregnant, saying, oh, actually, it's okay, it's God's child. Imagine that moment, but she cared more about the purposes of God than what anybody else around her thought. Joshua and Caleb that we've looked at in this series, they had everybody else saying, no, we can't do this. Who do you think you are? Why are you saying they wanted to be stoned, Joshua and Caleb, just for being positive? Yet Joshua and Caleb cared more about what God's truth was declaring, what he had promised, than what other people dared to think about them. What about us? If we want to be people of a different spirit, we need to be people who care more about what God is saying than what other people may think. Because if you're in a camp where you care what others think, you'll just end up conforming. You'll just end up compromising instead of standing for God's truth. Take a moment and think over your last week, if you can think that far back. Think over the last week. And I'm not saying any of this to condemn or to convict. I'm saying this to challenge each and every single one of us. Have there been conversations? Have there been moments? Have there been situations where you knew what God was saying, but you were too fearful of what other people may think? That may have been a call to pray for somebody who was ill, and you think, well, what if they don't get healed? Or, or, or what if other people laugh at me? And what if people mock me? That may be an opportunity to share your faith. And you thought, well, what, what if people get funny in the workplace? It may have been an opportunity to stand for righteousness and to lovingly challenge somebody who was saying something about you. It could be all manner of different things. But do we care more about what others think than what God is saying? Spiritual disciples, people of a different spirit, care more about what God thinks than what other people may say. Here's another difference. And I pray that as we go through these, the Holy Spirit may just be highlighting areas in our lives where there needs to be change, but he will empower us to make that change. Here's another difference. Carnal Christians respond in fear. A spiritual disciple responds in faith. People of a different spirit are people of faith and not fear. People who walk not according to their emotions or according to their feelings, not according to what they see, but according to what God has spoken and is speaking. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Joshua and Caleb walked in alignment with what God had promised, rather than worrying about what they could see before them in the land that had been promised to them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can't find three people who walked with greater faith than people who were saying, being told, you're going to be thrown into that fiery furnace. I don't care. I still believe what God has said. They faced fear with the answer of faith. Same with Daniel. Why? Because for all these people, they understand that it's impossible to please God without faith. So here is Mary. And again, let's play this out in real time. She has to go and tell her parents. The Bible doesn't tell us about that moment. She has to go and tell Joseph. And again, put yourself in Joseph's position, especially men in this place. Put yourself in Joseph's position. But here is Mary. She's coming to you. He hasn't yet had the visitation from the angel. And Mary is saying to him, listen, I'm pregnant. It's obviously not yours, but I haven't slept with anybody. And I'm not making light of this. This is the reality of what she would have faced. But it's God's baby. And so being a man of honor... He chose to just divorce her on the quiet as they would have done in that day even though they were just engaged. 
But add to all of that the reality that a pregnant teen who wasn't officially married, who was pregnant out of wedlock in that time, what would she have faced? Potentially death by stoning. This is what she would have faced. And yet she responds in faith. Some of you, I just believe, as we've been speaking over the last few weeks, you want to be a person of a different spirit, but the problem is you are gripped by, your life is completely in the grip of the fear and the spirit of fear. For some of you, it's the fear of man. What would people say if I truly surrendered my life to God? For some of you, it's the fear that comes from lack of control, that you want to sing about him being Lord, but him actually being Lord of your finances, of your career, or of your relationships, of your parenting, of your marriage, of your emotions, you're scared of what that might look like. Some of you, it's the fear of change. Some of you know that to actually stop being carnal and to truly be spiritual, it means that God's going to have to do a work within you. Because you know that where you are right now isn't where God has called you to be. And that's going to require change. God to do stuff within you. And you're scared of what that change may look like. The carnal Christian lets fear control them. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. So today I want to encourage you, let go of that fear and respond in faith. Here's another one. You're still with me this morning. Here's another one. Carnal Christians lack obedience. A spiritual disciple lives in obedience. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he says these words in verse 46. Why do you keep on calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? See, for Jesus to truly be Lord of our lives, it's more than us just singing it. Lord, you are good. Lord, we can all sing it, but actually is it a reality in our lives because if it is it means walking in obedience to his will walking in obedience to his word that means let's take it down to an everyday level that you forgive where God has called you to forgive that you lay down offenses where God says stop stop playing with that offense that you live in the way that God has called you to live it's easy to call him Lord but are we walking in obedience Mary understood this as we've looked at throughout this series But being of a different spirit and walking in obedience to the will of God is not always easy. But when we choose to do it, it will bring us life and it will glorify God. And so Mary, facing the prospect of all that she was about to face, says this in Luke 1.38, May it be to me as you have said. In other words, amen. God, I'll do it. Whatever it takes, no matter how costly this is, I will do what you have called me to do. I'm going to be of a different spirit. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Because by sight, this makes absolutely no sense. But the Bible teaches us to lean not on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all of our ways. So she says, I'm going to walk in the obedience to what you've called me to do. We've got to walk in obedience if we want to be of a different spirit. Just a couple more. A carnal Christian lives for their own gain. A spiritual disciple lives for God's glory. Remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke about Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said that we're called to be salt in a tasteless world. We're called to be a city on a hill, a light of a world. And he says when you do that, when you do that, when you're of a different spirit in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever it might be, people will see your good deeds. And what will happen? They will glorify your father in heaven. Mary didn't do what she did for her own gain. She did it for God's glory. 
because three decades later, the plan of God unfolded to such a degree that the one that she had carried, that child, and again, we don't ever think about Jesus as a child, but that child who grew, that child who was a toddler, that child who, who became mature, that child that she loved for every season would hang upon a cross, humiliated and beaten. Why? That, so that he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Are we living our lives for our own gain or for God's glory? Are our prayers all about us? God, what can you do for me? Or are we actually brave enough to pray, God, what is it you want me to do for you? Those who are of a different spirit are those who live for God's glory. And finally, and I'll end with this, a carnal Christian knows of God. A spiritual disciple knows their God. There's a difference. Mark spoke about this last week, didn't he? That all the people we've looked at in this series, this whole series of messages, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Caleb, David, Mary, they knew their God. There's a massive difference between us turning up to church every now and then on a Sunday morning and doing religious activity. There's a massive difference between that and truly knowing our God. And if we're going to be people of a different spirit, it requires us to truly know God. Daniel 11:32 says this. It's not coming up on the screen, but it says this. That the people who know their God will be strong and will do mighty exploits. If you want to be in strength in all areas of your life, if you want to be used by God, if you want to do mighty exploits, do you know what? Reverse to the beginning of that statement, what does it say? Those who know their God. Not those who turn up to church every now and then. Not those who do their reading plan to diligently feel good about themselves. Those who know their God will be in strength and will do mighty exploits. I want that to be true of my life, but I want it to be true of every single one of our lives. That we are people who know the truth. That we are people who are strong that we are people of a different spirit who do mighty exploits amen but the truth is this there's no shortcuts and no one can grow desire within you to know God other than yourself we can help you we can journey with you but nobody else can grow that desire other than yourself a spiritual disciple knows their God okay let's bring this in where do we find ourselves today as we wrap up this, this series that we've been in, these thoughts, and as you think through those points today, where do we go from here? Because you may say over the last few weeks you begun to understand, actually, I am just a carnal Christian. I love God, don't get me wrong, and I've given my life to him, but there's no change in my life. When I walk into the workplace, nobody even knows that I'm a Christian. There's no difference to my life. When I walk into situations, there's no atmosphere. There's just nothing different. I'm not of a different spirit. Now, if you say, I'm carnal, I'm born again, but I'm just living a worldly life, here's God's word to you. God's word isn't, aren't you terrible? God's word isn't, I'm going to give you a slap. God's word isn't any of those things. I don't love you anymore. God's word isn't that. God's word is one word. It's simple. It's this word, repent. Repent. Now, now, we don't like that word or we step away from that word because it's been taken to two extremes. Number one, we've got the angry man in the high street with long white hair and long white beard who's everybody's avoiding. It's just, repent! Repent! And everyone's like, and including yourself, are just avoiding him. But over the other side, 
we've got this repentance that has come into the world today where people just sit on the floor and sob but nothing ever changes I'm, I'm repenting I'm repenting listen there comes a time of going before God and saying Father forgive me but then we get up and we live a changed life too many people are still repenting for things 20 years ago they're on the floor and God's not using them because they're not up on their feet ready to be used understanding that they're now forgiven and transformed what does new covenant repentance truly look like a change of thinking that's all it means a change of a complete u-turn in the way that we think what did Paul say how are we transformed how are we made different how do we become people of a different spirit by renewing our mind that's what Paul said in that verse that we've used as this basis for this whole series be transformed how by the renewing of your mind it starts with us saying this we're going to stop looking at me and start looking at him I, I, I'm going to stop being in a place where I care about what other people think I'm going to care what he thinks I'm going to obey him and not myself well, my soul says, no, 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 I'm going to obey him and his word. I'm going to live for his glory and not my own game. I'm going to begin to know God intimately through his word, through prayer. I know there's no shortcuts, but this is so worth it. I'm going to change my thinking. Because Mary, like everybody else in this series, was a person of a different spirit. And because she was, even when it was costly, even when it was scary, even when it was difficult, she received God's best and brought him glory. If you're in a place where you say, do you know what, I'm kind of bored of playing at church. Good. We're waiting for you to get to that point. God wants to do something in your life. If you say, I don't know, I've been a Christian for 10 years. Not a lot has changed. Good. We're glad you've noticed that. Let's do something about it. And let God do something within you. Because I don't want to pastor a church that just grows numerically. It's great what God has done and we've planted out and he's going to do it again and we'll plant out and God's just going to continue to grow. But, but I don't want it to be about numbers. I don't want it to be because Jesus hasn't called us to, in fact, he's not even called us to build a church. He's building the church. But Jesus hasn't called us to fill buildings. He's called us to make disciples. He's called us to call people out and bring them into a place where they're of a different spirit. So my encouragement, even though this may sound a bit sober, my encouragement to you is it's okay? In fact, it's good that you've come to this place of realization. Now what do we do? We repent, which doesn't mean you're going to go around and go, oh, repent. doesn't mean you're going to lie on the floor for the next four years and we're like, get up, will you already? Come on, God's got something. But it means you're going to change your thinking day by day. It's a journey. But that's what discipleship is. And you are going to go into a place of great strength. You are going to do mighty exploits. And ultimately, you are going to glorify God, which is the most important thing let's pray this morning heavenly father i just thank you for what you've taught us through your word over the last four weeks lord i thank you that at times it's been encouraging what your word has spoken at other times it's been convicting and challenging lord and father i thank you that your word is to do all of those things in our lives because it is truth that cuts through and so heavenly father i thank you that we would be people who are of a different spirit Right now, I call out all those who are weary and tired of religion and playing games, God. And with excitement, I declare a new day over their lives. 
with excitement. I, I thank you, Lord, for as we step into the end of this year and into the beginning of, a, of another year. There's nothing magical about that, God, because you're outside of time and space. But God, for us, that can be a marker. And I thank you that those who are weary and tired and thinking, is this actually making any difference to my life? I, Father, I thank you that 2022 is going to be a year where they run their greatest lap for you. God, I thank you that they're going to start running your race and not their own race. God, I thank you that they're going to still go to work and still raise family and still do all of those things, but they're going to seek first the kingdom of God. And God, I thank you that as we choose to step forward and say, God, your will be done in our lives. May it be to us as you have said. God, I thank you for strength in individuals, in couples, in families. And Father, I thank you that we will do mighty exploits. Just as we close, and I want to close because I know we're going to go out and do a community, but I just want to share this just as I'm praying. That for some of you who, your fire's gone out. Your fire's gone out. And I just as I was praying, just see a candle that once used to burn, it's gone out. Do you know what? If you in a natural have experienced that, all it takes is a strike of a match. All it takes is... <coughs> You pull in fire to that and in one second it begins to burn again. For some people in this place you've been turning up for weeks, for months, maybe even some for years. But you know there's no substance to what's going on and the Holy Spirit this morning just in these closing moments wants to ignite again. For some it's about returning back to your first love. Father, thank you that we will be a church full of spiritual disciples. But if the Apostle Paul was to write to family church in heaven, he wouldn't be talking to us about our carnality. But he would say, thank you for being spiritual people who take the word of God seriously. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in us and for us in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent.